Promo Kitchen is a nonprofit organization committed to the advancement of the promotional products industry through education and mentorship. This edition of the PK Podcast was supported by Sanmar. Sanmar believes in the power of promotional products. Since 1971, this family-owned apparel supplier has been dedicated to passionately serving customers through trusted brands like Port Authority, Nike Golf, OGO, District, District Made, and Sport Tech. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you are a new listener, the PK Podcast is a community-inspired conversation featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights into the $20 billion promotional products business. My name is Mark Graham, CEO of Common Skew, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host Bobby Lehu, Chief Branding Officer at Robin Promotions. On today's show, we welcome Jordy Gamson, CEO of The Icebox, which is undoubtedly one of the coolest, most interesting distributors in the industry. The Icebox got its start when Jordy and his partner, Scott Alterman, honed in on a glaring gap in the promotional products industry. This gap was that the industry lacked a truly creative approach that could offer smart and cool solutions to corporate America. They also saw that building strong relationships with customers and taking a more agency-like approach would help maximize the value they could provide to clients. The pair hatched their business plan in 2001 on a cocktail napkin and the rest is history. The growth curve for the company has been swift. In the past 13 years, the Icebox has grown into a $16 million company with 60 employees. To top it all off, Jordi and Scott were recognized as Distributor Entrepreneurs of the Year by the Advertising Specialty Institute in 2013. Jordi, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. Welcome, my friend. Thank you. It's interesting, you know, in taking a look at your website and how you branded yourself, kudos to you and hats off to you for creating such a compelling distributor brand in the industry. The word that pops out a lot at me when I look at your company is the word cool. It was in the intro that I just made. And when I look at your about us and I see the story that Scott wrote about your company is a picture of you guys and it describes you as two cool guys. And my question to you is, what does cool mean to you in the promotional products industry? I'll even take it even a little bit wider. What does cool just mean to us, period? Yeah. And I think cool is just something that is going to strike people as being a little bit different, a little bit better, a little bit more meaningful, a little bit more relevant in anything. Mm. So, and it's true with anything. It's true with fashion. It's true with behavior. It's a characteristic of how people lead and live their lives. So Scotty and I both happen to be, we're pretty similar. We're similar in age. We're similar in tastes. We're similar in hobbies. And it, it's hard to, you know, feel humble and call yourself cool, but I feel like we we kind of, we don't take what we do for a living. We, we sell hats and T-shirts. I mean, it's hard to take that too serious. As a matter of fact, we have a saying around here. It's at the end of the day, it's just hats and T-shirts when, when a customer calls all upset or something's not shipping correctly. Yeah. So we, we try to keep things in perspective. You know, the customer wants cool. They ask for cool. Yeah. Every, you know, every time the customer says, they're not saying, hey, I want something that's dated and out of fashion there. They, hey, what? show me what's new and cool. Yeah. And we felt that's a lot of why we got into the business in the first place because the supply chain does a great job with supplying merchandise but not necessarily calling out what would be considered cool merchandise. Right. And, and it bleeds true with cuts of fabrics and the, the way a, a, a woman's shirt is it's fitting her and the way – a fashion tee fits and the way a cool fitted cap or a, you know anything that's going to be more fashion relevant than just a promotional quality 
promotional looking billboard that isn't cool. Yeah. And just because technology and sourcing and everything has been able to bring so many, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of items that can be branded, that doesn't mean they're cool just yeah. because you can get a logo on them. That's kind of our whole mantra is don't just do it because you're going to put your logo on it. Do it because you want it to be cooler, you know? So that's what cool means to us. You know, what I think is so interesting about what you just said there is if you speak to most people in this industry, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. The question is not what's cool. The question is what's new. What's new? What like what? What are the new products in your catalog this year? Like what's 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 hot? What's what's different? And uh, yes, that can be cool as well. But I don't necessarily see them as being the same. New could be a light up pen that you know glows in the dark and is bendy. That's new. But it might not necessarily be cool if you happen to have a really cool end user that's full of trendsetters and urban types that want to have something that really speaks to them in an emotional way. And I think that that's a really interesting question that you guys ask because not many people ask that question. So kudos to you. Right. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you. And I, and I still think even the light up bendy pen deal can be cool. It's really, when you're handing that item out at a trade show, and the, and the trade show booth next to you is handing out candy, and the trade show booth next to that is handing out a koozie, and the trade show booth next to that is handing out something else, people will go and they'll seek these, these booths just for the giveaway. Everybody knows that. Yeah. You know? But when they grab the item and they pick it up, they actually may refer to it, even though it's a bendy light-up pen, like, oh, man, that's kind of cool. You know? so, so to them, it is cool, even though it's just something new or just something different, because new and different also can be cool. Yeah. You guys are obviously involved in quite a few different lines, I would say, meaning different revenue streams for your business. So it looks like you do decorating, you do overseas sourcing, you do some company stores, fulfillment. It looks like you do dabble in a little bit of everything, or I should say, plus maybe the overarching aspect is that you come across as an agency-minded company. How do you differentiate your company? Uh, you've already expounded on cool, how do you differentiate in the marketplace when you're talking to a prospect about Icebox? Well, we do consider ourselves more of an agency than a purveyor of promotional products. True, we do bill through selling promotional products and apparel. So that's our revenue. That's, that's ultimately how we bill. We don't bill for creative. We don't bill for the other things that we do as a general rule. You know, so promotional products and apparel, you know, by selling is how we make our money. But that is just the end game. What we really try to do is help our customers understand what, you know, there's a huge mass offering of items. And we usually meet, we try to meet here in our showroom where it's a natural think tank. Thoughts and uh, ideas come naturally here because it's loaded with all kinds of things we've done in the past and projects we're working on. And it, it, it's just very easy to have ideas flow here. So we bring our customers in here. They, uh, they quickly see other customers we're working with, so it validates us in that way. And we try to understand what it is that they're trying to accomplish. Go back to the trade show booth example. I mean, their goal is ultimately to achieve sales or new customers from a trade show. So what our job is is to help them with the overall branding of either their booth or the apparel they're going to be wearing 
or their giveaway or whatever. So when somebody's walking in that center aisle wondering which booth to go into, sometimes the look and feel of their booth to start with and, and how they look and how they're dressed and the item that they're giving away, which may draw them into the booth in the first place, and then they can do their sales pitch, and then they can talk about what whatever industry that they represent and, and sell to or service or whatever. So we're looking at it way beyond just, okay, you need a, a thousand pins. Well, here's your price for a thousand pins. The pin could be the absolute worst item for that particular need. So, right. so it is, it's, it's looking at it far deeper than just, you know, here's where your logo goes on this item. How many would you like? In some cases, we'll say, you know what? This is not the right, you don't, you don't get an item at all in this case. Save your budget for the next, because I, I, I would rather see you spend more money on this next event where you can get something really cool and really nice because the decision makers are a step closer and do something that's going to resonate a little bit more and don't just give for the sake of giving an item because they'll take it, but it won't necessarily give you a return on your investment. Right. So we spend their money like we spend our own. Yeah. Your story is really cool for our listeners. I mean, you can get to the Icebox website at iceboxcoolstuff.com. On your About page, there is a napkin that literally this is one of those stories where you started your business over a discussion, probably at a bar or a restaurant. You're sitting there. Literally, the napkin is featured on your About page, and I think what, what is hilarious about it is it's actually signed by both of you as a, a agreement when you started Icebox. My question is, how has your business evolved the most from when you started to where you're standing today? Most of us would say our clients have helped navigate the type of business that we would get into. How have your assumptions changed about the market you serve, and has it swung dramatically to who, who you're serving today? Well, when we originally started the business, we decided we wanted to focus in on, I'll go back to how we started, on the items that we think are cooler. Because companies are spending a lot of money, as you pointed out initially, it's a $20 billion industry. You know, they're, not, they're not spending $20 billion on only cool items. But that's what they think they want. That's what they say they want. And whether or not they actually end up buying that or not is another day, another meeting. But we wanted to be able to represent those items first and foremost and for them to consider. So that was kind of the premise behind starting the company. What happens is when you're catering to the cooler items you know, that are available, you're going to find people that appreciate the cooler items. And a lot of those are... They're, they're usually the younger generation. They get they get the new trends. They get the new fashion trends. So in that regard, that has kind of shaped the customers that we service today. So the customer that we felt would appreciate us are exactly the customers that we've been able to attract, and those are the ones that have continued to come back and you know grow us in that regard. As far as you know, continuing to challenge us to come up with new and exciting things because it is a pretty demanding segment of the market. They're, they're not satisfied with just another koozie. They expect it, they want it, and it keeps us challenged, and, it, and it's, it's kind of a, self, it's a self-serving. Because they demand it, we're forced to, to learn it, and because we're forced to learn it, they're, they're going to buy it because we're, we're offering what they're asking for. Did, did that answer your question? Yeah, and, and kind of, uh, I, I didn't ask it well, but verticals that you serve, without asking clients, yeah. have, have the industries you serve today, are they very, very similar to what you expected with the business when you launched? Yeah, I would say that the industries have probably stayed about the same. We've just accumulated a lot more customers within the verticals we've already serviced prior to. So we're not necessarily going outside. We do a lot of food and beverage. A lot of restaurants care about how they, you know, first off, a lot of the uniforms that we produce are for quick casual, not like super low end, but kind of that mid-level where they care about how they look and they want their 
employees to be comfortable but yet still look presentable and that's that's a big area where we service so I wouldn't say that we've extended or added a whole lot of verticals of who we service but we've just filled up in the verticals we, we've already serviced we've just we just have a lot more customers yeah smart go ahead mark uh, there's so many things <laughs> that, that that I want to ask here I'm trying to think which one I want to ask next I'm really interested in the idea of a promotional agency or a creative agency, Jordy, and interested in your perspective that I think if, if you'd looked maybe 10, 15 years ago, the concept of a, a creative promotions agency would have been something that would have been a bit out in left field, a bit weird, and, and not as prominent as it has become now in 2014. To what do you attribute that shift in terms of the growth and the popularity of this kind of business model in the last 10 or 15 years? I just think people are just more, everybody, I mean, with technology and the internet and everybody is, is you know, the world's getting smaller and smaller and faster and faster. Hmm. So that's naturally going to push, people have less patience, people want what they want, they want it sooner because that's what they're used to. Hmm. You know, everybody's used to take a digital photography you know, in the days of old, you take a photo, you take pictures in a camera, and then you'd go drop the film off at a place to be developed, and you'd pick it up in a week. Think about how how much life has changed because of technology today. You take a picture, you look at it immediately, you you, you erase it, and you take another one if you don't like how you looked. Yeah. You know, so yeah. so I think that naturally anything is going to evolve as far as continuing to feed the society that we're creating that shortens time and makes the world smaller. Yeah. So, you know, someone that, a customer that wants to spend a lot of their own time pointing and clicking on the Internet to find items that they perceive as cool at, at a value that they feel is fair, that is a customer that they can do that today. Yeah. But you're also, by default, you're almost becoming your own micro-distributor because you're spending hours and hours and hours doing that. Yeah. So if you want to do that, that's fine. That's We're not going to bring value to a customer like that. You would hope someone that's building their own business or or has their own demands, are, they're not going to have time to do that. They're not going to want to do that. You know, that's where a, a company like ours come in. We will do all of that creative. Yep. And we're learning the industry. We're, we're training people. We're flying people around to learn about new offerings and, and having, you know, manufacturers come here or suppliers come here. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's an everyday occurrence. So we are learning. I actually had a friend of mine just today email me, and he's a, he's a friend, but he was having a hard time finding a, an item that, they they couldn't find because they're not knee deep every day in sourcing. Yep. And you know, they could go to the, the typical supply chain easy steps, but when they weren't finding what they needed, he called me and he said, Hey, any help would be appreciated because he knows that we're we're living in the products. And you know, and I helped him out because I he's a nice guy. You know, people want things they want things to be unique, different. They want things quick. The whole notion of a promotional agency satisfies that need. It's a, it supports that need that the client has. Not everybody wants that, yep. you know, but we feel like there are enough people and enough companies out there that do want it, and that's where we make our living. Yeah. You know, we've seen in the evolution, certainly of our own businesses, as well as just speaking to a lot of people over the last couple of years on this podcast, that it's interesting how there's almost been this rise of these companies that there's almost like this decline of the transaction seller. I mean, they certainly exist, but the classic transaction seller is now being killed by discount mugs or for imprint. So those guys are going away, but then you've got the rise of the program sellers and the company store sellers, uh, a lot like Robin. And then 
On the other hand, you've got these companies that are making an incredible investment in the creative and the design process, you know, similar to yours, uh, Jordy. And I, I think it's it's interesting and, and I think exciting to be in a business that's evolving towards more of these value-added service models as opposed to, hey, here's a leads catalog. I can get you EQP less 10 and, right. you know, just call me when you found the product you want on page 82. Right. And, you know, so I'm basically what, what you just said was here, customer, you do all the work and let me sell you on price. Yeah. And to your exact point, those guys are going to be competing with all the discount online, the cheap, cheap, cheap on dot com. Yeah. You know, we tell our customers, we actually have certain red flags that we consider if we see these red flags early in the relationship of a new customer. Yeah. We want to jump in and have conversations to make sure we're the right fit. Good. And. You know, there's only so much time in the day. There's only so many human resources we have. It's a, still a very labor-intense. The way yeah. we do it, it's very labor-intense because there's a lot of thought and there's a lot of human interaction. Yep. We have customers, multiple customers, many, many customers that come into our showroom and our offices every single day. And so it's it's time-consuming. And yeah. we deserve, we feel like we deserve, we, we, we do deserve to make a fair profit margin. Yep. We don't want to compete with somebody that is going to spend you know, half their day pointing and clicking to find something that, you know, that they may have bought from one website over another website because it had free this or free that and it was a nickel cheaper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jordy, Mark, I have a question for both of you guys because you both have very similar business models with a creative agency approach. The market will only bear a certain margin in our products. So for both you guys, and you, let's say one of the values of Promo Kitchen Podcast is that we are sharing with younger entrepreneurs who, who are listening to you, Jordy. You have 20 years experience in this plus, years experience in this business. How can you help them either prevent major mistakes because opportunity costs are huge, uh, but also I go back to the margins and the challenge with pre-agency concept. I don't know that there is a direct question here, but it does seem like we are all working harder for the same margin that folks used to get out of catalog sales 10 years ago. Is that not correct? Or are both of you, do you think you're commanding such sweeter margins than the average catalog salesman that you can afford to add all these services? How, does that, how do you guys balance that? It is a balance because if you take a, a slice of who our customers are and the margins we work within those customers, it drastically varies. And there are customers that thank us for coming up with concepts and items and creative, and we we could be working on 60%, you know, and they're thanking us for it. And then there are other customers that it, it, there could be budgets in play and there could be competition in play and it could be the three-bid deal, and that may be a 25% deal that we will still happily take because it's all, you know, it, it, it all overall works in our model. We find that it's a lot harder to justify you know, the value add when it all boils down to an easily identifiable, you know, item that any distributor can source and any distributor, and it's very obvious and it's very there and everybody knows where it comes from. And I feel like that's where most of the industry serves. Here is the, you know, I don't want to call it any suppliers, but we all know who they are, the ones that are very popular amongst all the distributors and a lot of times it even has their, their name on the product. Yep. They're on the zipper pull or whatever. So here it is. It's not It's not exclusive. There's no Easter egg hunt to get to this item. You know, here it is. Everybody knows it. And that's going to command a price that most likely will be a low margin price. Yep. Yeah. But then there's other things that can supplement that. 
because we still do that. I mean, sometimes the basic generic pad folio that is on page two in a, in a very popular catalog is the right item for them. We don't talk them out of it if it's the right item. This is the item, and, and here's the price, and it's printed all over the, you know, it's printed all over the place. So you can't charge more than it's printed as many things. You know, a lot of people are quoting less than what's printed. So you're going to be somewhat pigeonholed in margin. But then there's other items. We happen to be very fortunate because 60% of our revenue is apparel. Mm. And apparel, there's no, there's no real web page that you can go and point and say, I want that, and here's the price. You can on blank items. But when you're talking about a lot of creative ways to print that may have flock or foil or, or lots of different cool things that you're doing, it could be custom, you know, cut and sewn overseas. It, there's all kinds of things that we do with apparel that, that really help us sustain a much higher margin. And you get to sell that when you're consultative and you are more of an agency because that's not the typical, typical transactional sell. I would completely echo everything that Jody is saying there, Bobby. I, I heard, I don't know who said it, but uh, someone certainly smarter than me had, had said, where there's mystery, there's margin. And we certainly subscribe to that notion. I said that. At, I, 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 <laughs> Jordy said that. Damn, you were the one. <laughs> but, you know, no, we, we, really. we, we often, you know, go through the same process at, at, at right sleeve and, and not that we're, I mean, I think that when you say where there's mystery, there's margin, like there's some kind of devious side to that. And, and, and by no means would we ever want to present that to a client. But I think as Jordy is saying, when it comes to this formula of like relationship, design, creative services, as well as cool hunting and the ability to be the guy that, Jordy, I, I suspect you're probably, you and your, your team are probably the kind of people that your customers would say, you know what, Jordy's a cool guy. I like his taste. I know he's going to know what's cool. And as a result, they'll call you and you'll, you'll know the, the shirt or the hoodie or the new thing or the cool thing, I should say. And there's value there, right? It's kind of like the lawyer who has been practicing a certain side of the law for 25 years and they, they just know it. And you're going to call that person and you're going to pay for that. So I, I feel that, I, I, I said it before, I, I find it very inspiring and exciting that that this model exists and it's growing in popularity because yeah. it, it not only makes our industry look great, look cool, if Jordy was to say it, it also means that it, it raises the professionalism and it's bringing better people into the industry. And I think most importantly, it means it's an industry that people can make good money in as opposed to being like some part-time guy who's getting into the business so he can sell 75 grand worth of promotional products and walk away with 25 points in his pocket. Like that, that to me seems so uninspiring and it's such a race yeah. to the bottom. So, right. Um, yeah, right. you're both talking about the difference of the value of a deliverable versus the cost of an item. Totally, yeah. And, and the, the thing is, is people are getting smarter when it comes to understanding what real value is. Yep. Because some people that don't, I, I call them, they just, they, they, they're, they're amateur buyers. They think they're a good buyer because they're looking for cheap. Hmm. But, you know, I have a relative that's like this, and everything that they want to buy, everything is price shopped, and everything is this, and everything, everything. Yeah. It's a full-time job. <laughs> but this same person, they talk about, oh, they save money here and they save money there. They, but they're always unhappy with the, with what they end up getting. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, and they're always upset with the service or this and that. And it's, I, I'm waiting for them to eventually realize, like, you know what, maybe it's okay to allow someone 
to enjoy a profit margin it has to be within reason, but to where I'm actually going to get something else in return than just a low cost. Yeah. And there's still a lot of people out there that are like that, but that's where I talk about the early red flags. You know, digitizing yeah. is a perfect example because digitizing is, is an art. And even though a logo is a logo, a logo, but when you start making it translate into threads, you know, different digitizers are going to make that logo look a whole lot better than other digitizers. And there's also the, you know, cheap, cheap, cheap overseas 24-hour turn digitizer that is almost free to the guy that's going to spend a little bit more time and he's going to be more, you know, he may be twice the price. But that logo is going to be digitized and it's going to go on so many different items from that point forward that when we have a new customer and they start complaining about the cost to digitize, that's a red flag. Yeah. You know, Jordy, let's imagine we have a 25-year-old entrepreneur sitting with us in this conversation. And uh, I'm going to ask a broad, a tough question because it's broad. If you could identify, you mentioned earlier before we hopped on the call that you guys have tried a lot of different things. And after 20-plus years, you will have tried a lot of different things. If you had to leave that 25-year-old with a couple of, uh, one, do this, it was one of the best things we could ever do, versus we tried this and it really didn't work. Do you do a couple of things come to mind when I ask that question? Yeah, but they're the same thing. So they're the same things that we've been doing that we found success early on that have kind of in the fabric of our of what we've done that make us successful. So we've tried a bunch of different things. We've gone after this market. One of the big things is went after the school market. This was a few years ago and we yeah. you know, we wanted to fund it properly, we wanted to market it properly, we wanted to get a couple people in there that were going to focus only on that market. And it is a big market. But there's a lot of transition in the yep. decision makers, yep. and we were getting traction. But what we realized is, you know what? There's a lot more traction. We can get further, better miles per hour with other segments of industry. So right. we still handle those accounts, but we're not necessarily aggressively marketing to them anymore. So that's a, a specific target market. But as far as if there was a 25-year-old entrepreneur and, we, and I was trying to give them advice on what would make them successful here and what, what has been proven to be successful here, is that what your question is? Yes. It's the basics. It is, A, they have to exude trust. So customers are earned and won because they trust you. And they'll let you make a little bit of money. They know we're a for-profit company. We're not doing this for just exercise. We are a for-profit company, and it's, it goes without saying that we make money on what we do. But they don't care because they're getting every bit and then some out of the relationship because they trust us. They know that we will go to bat for them to bring them the best, the, the coolest item that their budget will afford. We know that if there's any hiccup or any issue that they're not going to get an argument. They're going to get a solution. They're going to get options to, to solve the problem. They know that we genuinely care. We genuinely care about them being successful in the, the area that we're helping them. So, And everybody has an audience. If you're a marketing person, it's your chief marketing officer, if it's a, you know, if, if you're an executive assistant, it's your, your boss, or what everybody wants to look good. And, and, and this industry also, we all know, is riddled with potential landmines because it's a, we're all dependent on a supply chain. And at any point in the supply chain, there could be an implosion. It could be, you know, even within the own, our own four walls, it could be our art department, it could be our project managers that handle the orders once, a, once an order is booked. It could be our screen print division, which is across the street, it could be a FedEx truck. Yeah. And, you know, and any of those can fall. And guess who the customer is going to be upset with? They're going to be upset with the salesperson. It could be a FedEx driver can ride that truck off of a cliff. <laughs> and 
the salesperson is going to have to call that customer and say, I have bad news. Your big race tomorrow isn't going to have T-shirts because they're at the bottom of a, of, a, of a gully. However, because you trust me, and the moment I found out, I was able to pull this order and pull that order, so we're flying new shirts into you, and they're going to be there. They may not be there you know, a day before, but they're going to be there 10 minutes before, and I did that for you because, and then, you know, so we've solved the problem, even though we probably bled money all over the place yeah. for something that, was, that wasn't even our fault. That's what's successful in any industry, but it, here especially, and, and, it's, and it's obvious when a customer loses our trust because it doesn't matter what, what we do at that point. They don't trust you anymore, and, and, it's, and it, you know, we don't have a perfect batting record. We have a very high success rate, but we've made a few mistakes over the years, and once you lose it, it's very hard to get back. Mm. Yeah. Jim Schlexer, he's the CEO and managing partner of the Inc. CEO Project. He said there are five hats, six hats of the CEO, high-value high roles. One is architecture, designing the business model. And actually, he said this is the most important part of building a business, and it's where CEOs should spend a majority of their time. And both of you have done that with this model. You've spent a lot of time designing the business model. Jordy, there's something that you put on your site about culture and it, and it being one of your competitive advantages, and it's get the right people get them working in harmony, and then just do the right things. That, when I read that, it's clear that that's uh, very complementary to everything you just said in terms of hiring people that have the basics and they exude trust and they'll just go to the edge of the earth to make sure that the customer is taken care of. There's a lot of people that are in this industry and a lot of people listening to this podcast that I'm sure are curious about finding talent and then compensating that talent. One of the age-old questions is, do you get better people or people like the ones you just described, if they are paid a, a base and that you really invest in them and bring them into your company and train them and, and give them a, a good salary, certainly the opportunity for, for a bonus. In terms of how you build a great team, do you find that you can find better people by investing in them or by paying them straight commission? So, uh, so you asked a question earlier and I'll answer that and then I'll answer the rest of the question. So, do you get better people by paying them more, I think was the first part of the question. Yep. And I would say you keep great people by paying them more. You don't, you don't know what you're getting until they're in here and they're actually working and, they're, and you, see, you see what kind of person they are and how they're responding to the culture and how they're responding to the ups and downs and the twists that just the day brings. And we've done both, by the way. We brought in high-dollar people that we thought had stellar reputations and they were complete duds. And then mm -hmm. we brought in people almost as a favor just to kind of, you know, out of guilt or other reason. And, and they end up, wow, this person is really has a lot of promise. So you never know what you're going to get until they're actually in the equation. The same is very true for an interview. All an interview does with us is just give us some little gut feeling. And we've been wrong plenty and we've been right plenty. Yeah. But we've had people that have interviewed great and then they get in here and they're not how we thought they were. So I think that ultimately someone wants to come to work every day and they want to feel value. They want to be challenged. They want to gain confidence. And obviously money is a big piece of everything. But money is kind of somewhere, it's not necessarily the, the leading indicator or the, the most desirable. I think when people feel like they're growing and they're adding skills to their existing skills and they're gaining confidence, money can't buy that. Yeah. That's something that's earned. And so if you can help a person tap into that, then that's going to feed them. Then the money's going to naturally come. When the money naturally comes, then you share it with them. 
and you let them make more because they're making you more. I, I have a perfect success story here with a customer, a former customer of ours who, who worked with us as a customer, and then she asked us for a job, which was already a little awkward. You know, that's, that's, that's taboo. How, do you, how does that work? So first off, she did say that she was going to be leaving her company regardless whether we hired her or not. And I told her that, you know, we would give her a courtesy interview, and it, I wasn't going to not give her an interview because that's also a weird thing. You can't interview you, sorry, and then she's no longer a customer for that reason. I said, we'll interview you, but if it does come to where we actually want to hire you, I can't do it in good faith without calling your boss. Yeah. So to tell him, not for a reference, but just to tell him, hey, no hard feelings, she's going to leave you anyway, and, and, and um, you know, and I just didn't want you to think I'm poaching your, uh, I, I really, if I had a magic wand, I'd, I'd want to salvage the relationship with you and not lose you as a customer, but also give her a chance and let, let her be happy in a, in a new career, you know, situation. Yep. So she, she agreed to that. Her only stipulation was she said she wanted to tell him first. So she did. She called him and told him that she was leaving, and then she said, okay, you can call him now, and I called him, and he actually thanked me for, A, for doing that, because a lot of people wouldn't do that, and I just felt like it was the right thing to do. And then he told me that he actually appreciated it because they had just lost a big customer and they were going to actually have to trim some of their payroll anyway. And hmm. it just made it a little bit easier, And even though they were going to clearly miss her. And then he also said, watch her. She's going to be dynamite for you guys. So here's somebody that came in from outside of the industry and was a customer. And we were able to help them build a client base. And that's a lot of what we do. So it's, it's not just, here's your phone, here's your computer, go get them, Tiger. It's, we help the sales. We, look, we want them to be successful. If they're successful, we're successful. If there's crickets in their, in their pipeline, then, we're, then there's crickets in our pipeline. Yeah. You know, so she has been with us now maybe, maybe a little over two and a half years. And she is, I mean, she's, I mean, she's surpassed the seven-figure mark after her first, like, 18 months. And now, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if she doesn't if she doesn't hit a couple million in revenue. Wow! Herself. Amazing. So, yeah, but she also she does exactly what I said about the twenty five year entrepreneur. Her customers love her; they trust her. She gets a lot of natural referrals. Anybody that any customer we send to her, we just know guaranteed is going to be a good personality fit. She's incredibly detail oriented. You know, she's someone that it would have been so easy for me to say, you know what, you're a customer. That's a little weird. I'm sorry, I can't hire you. Mm. And it would have been, you know, she would have lost out. We would have lost out. Yeah. But the fundamentals of what it takes to be successful, it doesn't matter whether it's it, it was, you know, it's today or when we first started this place. It, it's the same. People want to feel like you have my back and you're going to take care of me. And I don't want to find out that that you took advantage. And I don't want to find out. You know, you just 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 make me trust you. Another analogy that I use is kind of like how a person chooses their hairdresser. Usually, a person they get, may get their haircut once a month, say, and you know there's a relationship there. They how that when you leave that chair, that's that person is going to dictate pretty much how you look for the next month. And <laughs> and if you uh, and I'm not even talking from a vanity. I mean, I'm not that vain of a person, no more than the average. But you know, look when somebody when you leave that chair, and maybe they're twenty dollars more than than the guy down the street. But when you know when people Hey man, you look good. Or, or uh, hey, you know, you know when you look good. People feel good when they look good. You, you think you're going to leave that hairdresser for because great clips is is ten bucks? It's just not going to happen. Let the great clips 
consumer go to Great Clips. That's yep. the guy that's going to spend all day on the internet clicking and finding something for a nickel cheaper. Yep. But you know, there, there's trust there. There's a relationship there. You have an audience after you leave there. You know, and the the last thing you want to do is have to go find somebody else. It's work. It's like, oh man, this person gave me a bad haircut. Now I'm. <laughs> And now I'm annoyed. Now I got to go find somebody else. Yeah. And what if what if they, what if the new person's no better than the old person? You yeah. know, and it, it, it's it's disappointing. People want to be happy with with their vendors, yeah. with their good. distributors. Good stuff, so. Mark. I'll bet I'll, I'll I probably pay more than you do for a haircut, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I I don't pay anything for it. I, I just get. The I was bowl. waiting for you to give me a hard time. Yeah. I get the bowl over the head. Catherine, you know, gets the scissors <laughs> out, and boom, we're done. <laughs> yeah, there, 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 there's there's two areas. You know, I, I I probably have the age old argument with my wife where you know my wife spends too much money. There's two places where I tell her it's okay for us not to have. We do not need to save any money when it comes to getting our haircut and buying toilet paper. <laughs> it's, complete, it's completely okay to pay. Retail, retail. Nice, so, nice. There you go. The uh, I'd rather the, say I'd rather save in other ways. <laughs> the pillow soft. There you go. Well, Jordy, we uh, we probably only have time for for one more question. It's amazing how time flies. And you know what? I, I'm actually going to instead of being a question, I'm going to turn it over to you and give you the last word. And maybe I can guide you a little bit here. But in terms of like just a last word on you know being someone that's been in the industry for now like better part of twenty years and you know all the change that you've seen and where you see the icebox going in the next decade, like what what does it look like for you? Well, I think that clearly the customers are going to continue to get more and more demanding and discriminating for cooler items because they'll need that to compete in just how they look and how they brand themselves. So that trend will definitely continue. I think that, you know, we have a joke around here. We, we recently invested in an e-commerce platform and, and, a, uh, and a new website because we decided, you know, maybe the Internet's here to stay. So I think that that is going to, <laughs> no question, become more and more a part of how the consumer uh, or the purchaser works. And even though they may not click and point and click all day long, but just ease of use is a big piece of it, so I think that that is going to continue. I think some of the basic age-old stuff like the trust and making sure there's a true relationship with your customer, that's not going anywhere. That's that's going to always be true. We're not robots. We're humans. We're always going to be humans. So there's always that need to want to work with somebody, and there's the emotional piece of it that will be lost if it's only technology. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think that the items themselves, I mean, we wear clothes, so the, the fashion trends are going to somewhat evolve like they always have, but I still see the T-shirt being a major, major line item in the industry. I don't see the popularity of the T-shirt going anywhere except for increasing. Probably a lot of the businesses out there may become more and more casual as the younger generations come into the workforce. Nobody wants to wear a suit and tie. Even the people that wear suit and ties don't want to wear suit and ties. Yeah. So, Except you know, for Bobby. Uh, do you? Okay. So a few people. There are a few people out there. But for the most part, nobody wants to wear, you know, I, I, we, I had a meeting today with, with an, a big bank that we do business with, not as a banker, but they're a customer of ours. My wife is it's watching me walk out of the house, and she's like, that's what you're wearing? Don't you have a big meeting today? I was like, yeah, but I'm in the T-shirt business. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. so I think I think a lot of the fashion trends in in corporate are going to become more and more casual. Yeah. 
Well, that's that's really exciting, and as I've said before, congratulations to you, and and I and I would say a thank you uh, to, to companies like the Icebox for continuing to raise the bar in the industry and and raise the professionalism because I think it it creates opportunities for everyone, and and so good on you. I think we definitely need a version two because I want to ask you and Scott if we can get them on the podcast. This whole marriage of agency and technology and e-commerce, I think that could be a really cool thing to talk about for at least an hour. So that's perfect for. Scotty because that was all his initiative. Yeah, so we're happy to do a version two. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, my friend. Real pleasure, and this is going to be uh, certainly a very popular one. Awesome. Happy to help. Thanks, Jordy. Take care of yourself. Take care. Bye.